0: Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Elizabeth McCourt, welcome to the broadcast. Please share project that you're currently working on or excited about?
1: Thanks for having me, Scott, first of all. Um, I am, I'm always working on quite a few things, but the thing I'm very hot on right now is I am working on a nonfiction book about the nonlinear path to leadership. And so I'm, like I said, among the other things I'm doing, I'm really uh, hot and jazzed about that.
0: And so where, what was the genesis or the inspiration or the motivation um, for that project, Elizabeth?
1: You know, interesting. I've been thinking about this project in a different kind of context for a long for many, many years. And it was about resilience. And then I happened to speak last fall at um, an MBA event of my alma mater. And when the students came up to me afterwards, they were like, wow. That you know you don't have a straight path, and you're still doing great. And it was almost like I, it, it was good for them, and I had an epiphany, and I said, "Oh my gosh, that is what this book is about. That is really what connects with people." Um, and I always like to say, "We are, we are the culmination of everything we've done, and and that's what leads us to where we are. And if we can really embrace that and not." Think of those things as failures and misguided judgments, but really embrace that it can it can lead to success and better leadership. I believe.
0: Yeah, well, that's uh, there's the thing that leaps to mind right away is is their response to to you know this idea of the path not being um, you know always on this constant uh, consistent up into the right trajectory that the path is is never straight and it's never. Fully revealed. There are no maps. There's only compasses. But (laughs) we we live in this age where, you know, there's always people are promising all the time checklists and processes and systems and got, you know, guidebooks and things that are going to, in the most efficient and effective manner possible, get you where you want to go. So, how is, how is the, your approach different, and what are some of the tools and resources that you're, that you're offering through this book?
1: You know, it's so interesting that you say that, because sometimes for me, like, I have a, a quote-unquote process, but it's more, it's very much holistic and organic based on the people I work with, because I do, you know, I do executive coaching, I do professional speaking, and I do writing, and, and oh, and you said, by the way, you can find me easily at Elizabeth at mccourtleadership.com McCcourtleaship.com McCourt, is also my website but um, but in that vein of of really working with people and allowing allowing people the permission to to reach and pivot and explore other options and I know it's sort of corny to say permission to fail but not every not every jag, is, you know, that doesn't turn out right is a disaster. I mean, we we need to learn. And the only way we're gonna be better strategic thinkers and creative minded strategic thinkers is actually to, you know, to, to push ourselves in different directions.
0: Interesting. So yeah, you know, it's interesting because obviously, I mean, I have a site that offers a process as, as well. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought really intentionally about deciding what, you know, what to call it. Is it a system? Is it a process? Is mm-hmm. it a step-by-step process? You know, all the, these types of things. And the decision that I came to is that when you're sharing a process, it doesn't mean that you're sharing the answer or right. the process. It's, it's an invitation. And right. I, I think that sometimes, and I, I'd love to hear you speak to this, Over and over and over, I said I was going to share the themes of this broadcast, but one of the themes of this broadcast in every interview is I hear creative people that are working on really fascinating projects that are benefiting and enhancing the lives of others that began as scratching their own itch or solving their own problem or tackling the issue that was troubling them or obstructing them in in their life's journey. And so... What we end up doing is we come up with a solution, a process, and we say, "Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to show you how you can go over there. If you want to come?" <laughs> and it's less about promises, or it's I, there's still promise. It's less about guarantees. You're not saying this is going to work. All you have to do is check the boxes. Um, hmm. and, and, Some
1: people say that,
0: but right, yeah. but it it can happen unless you have first. Uh, you know, permission to talk to the people that you're talking to, then you invite them, then they decide whether or not to enroll. And then it really doesn't, the needle doesn't move for anybody until they actually invest. And I'm not just talking about money, but investing in doing the work of engaging in this process and engaging in the journey and moving forward to where they want to go. So I guess the first part so that's a, that's, doesn't sound like a question, but the question in there is. <laughs> Is is this approach of yours coming from this place of solving your own problem or scratching your own itch, and then, um, and then, if you want to unpack it further from there?
1: Sure, and and I think you're right. I, I find that uh, the clients that come to me often do have things that I've personally been working on or uh, many of my, you know, have a handful of one-on-one clients. I still like to do some of that work and, and all of them often say their, their main thing is resilience. And that is very much a part of who I am. And I think that, I think you could, you, whatever energetic field you put out or the material you put out has that thought behind it. And then you attract that type of business. So I do think, I think for me, um, I call myself, I would say I'm a practical minded, creative person. And I always have had that approach through whatever I've done um, in life and navigating my own path. And now as as a full entrepreneur, full time, once again, I I feel like for me, you know, sometimes I get distracted by shiny things, but now I get to do all those things I love with the core purpose of, you know, resilience, uh, you know, embracing your own path to leadership and that that quote unquote, that wrong way, it could be your right way. Or, or if I look at your own process and I go, okay, this and this works, but you know what? I think I learned this and I'm going to take it in a different direction. I mean, that's the whole, I mean, personally, I'm, I love to learn, but, and I think that it's great to learn other people's processes, books, education, but ultimately you have to pick the things that work for you.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So there's a great Bismarck, I think it's a Bismarck quote that says some people choose to lose, uh, some people choose to learn from their own mistakes. I prefer to choose, I choose to learn from the mistakes of others.
1: (laughs) It's a good, (laughs) it's a good policy.
0: Which I think is, is, is sage advice. And I love, so resilience is at the heart of one of my, um, one of my favorite long lasting, uh, subjects of inquiry and, and, a something I have great affection for in that Stoic philosophy, which is a philosophy of how to be resilient, how to continue to be courageous and curious and develop yourself and seek to enhance the lives of others, knowing that most of the time you will fail. Most of the time you will be, your work will be ignored, misunderstood, people won't like it, um, and, and that sort of thing. So, what are some, can you, can you just share um, a strategy or a tool or a, a tactic for, for cultivating that sense of resilience?
1: Sure. I mean, I have, I have several cause it's kind of my jam. So I think one, I will tell you one little teeny uh, actionable tactic. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I used to agonize over emails. Like, did it sound right? Am I giving the right message? And so I just, I have just challenged myself to write, you know, to write it and send, right? I mean, obviously having confidence in myself, but I think we overthink things too much. And sometimes you can make a mistake, mistake in there, but usually it's not, uh, it's not the end of the world. But that's just one of those, I know other people have this issue of really overthinking an email and do I send it to you to look it over to send it? And sometimes just send it. Just yeah. send it. it. I mean, that's, that's what call called my simple resilient strategy. Um, well, and the same thing for, uh, for reaching out to people. If I see someone that's interesting to me, for example, I, I had this author a few years back and someone had given me her book. They were, and I just thought she was fantastic. I just, I really connected with her message and I reached out with her and now we, we have a simple, ex- we have a personal exchange now just from reaching out and it, what would have been the worst case scenario that she never responded right. so like what's the risk and, yeah. and I, I had that I, I was in sales for almost you know to a personal sales of recruiting for almost 20 years and I always say to people what's the risk on the phone someone says no like next it's okay right. people are going to say no It's it's not personal it's just no
0: yeah, so that's um, I, I love that because uh, I I am always reminding people failure is very rarely fatal. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and you Sometimes. have to remember, yeah, r- rarely. I'm not saying uh, don't jump check, off a cliff. Yeah, don't check your don't don't <laughs> not check your parachute before you jump out of a plane. Right. When we're talking about email or reaching out. Um, and trying to make a connection, uh, you know, it's it's unlikely that the email is going to lead to to your imminent death. And and the other thing that, that, that I think helps provide context is true. I mean, people, everybody's busy, you're busy, I'm busy, mm-hmm. everybody is busy. People are not paying as close attention to every, That's you know, right. agonizing over every word of your email in the way that you are. And I love what you said about the, you, you know, you can just put it out there knowing that you can always go back and if, if it's misunderstood or if right. it's ignored, you can remind them. If it's misunderstood, you can apologize and explain what, you know, what you really meant or just apologize and, and make amends if that's what's required. I also love what you said, um, talk, what you said about being a pragmatic creative because that's at, <laughs> at the heart of my work um
1: mm-hmm, i know the, the,
0: the subtext of my of my book the store creative is um that uh that um struggling creatives are fueled by passion and thriving creatives are fueled by thriving artists are th- fueled by purpose and it's that I love idea. that well it, it's uh, the more i research things like uh, the more i investigate passion which is something i've I've been guilty of. I mean, my music career began because I followed a passion and turned it into a, a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's real dangers to doing that. I know that my um, in my own journey that um, you know there in uh, there's easily a case made that my musical life would have been happier and more fulfilling had I not turned it into a career. Mm-hmm. But the, the the flip side of the passion thing is that studies show that less than 20% of people when asked about their passion can identify a passion. So when we start wow. to tell people, oh, follow your passion, we're basically saying to 80% of the people that we're speaking to, you know, oh, you don't have a passion. Well, then you're not worthy. You know, you're somehow in in a, insufficient because you don't know what your passion is. And then, then they start to think, oh, well, I got to go find my passion. Well, you don't find you don't go like out into the world and find your passion, right? You right. start doing something, and then it becomes a passion. Um, so I, I love the, the 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 call to being a little bit more pragmatic, practical, and purposeful about mm-hmm. the work that you're doing. Speak speak to that just a, a bit more.
1: Sure, I think, and it's funny with that with that group I spoke with. I think. They believe and a lot of people believe, like you said, with this passion, like if you are not if you are not all in with music, Scott, then you're not serious and it's not going to happen for you. And guess what? That's actually that's not true. Right. It's not true. You you know, I see you have a house, you have things, you have a life you want to live and other things you want to do. And I don't know, maybe, you know, for some people, maybe starving artists, there's a romantic notion about that and I know I felt the pull too in writing I just published my first novel in March and you know you feel that the romantic notion of that but then sometimes you've also you know you've got to pay the rent it's we're living in a responsible world not everybody is gifted with unlimited resources so it's not a failure to have to do something quite practical like maybe you're an accountant who likes to jam on the weekends or maybe you're um you know, maybe you're working in a customer service center and you want to be a writer. So so you can do both. It's not a fail if you're not all in. Especially. And it's that side hustle too. I always say with entrepreneurship as well, what is so wrong about doing it as a little side hustle until it can maintain itself? And then maybe you never make that step to quote unquote all them, but, or maybe you learn something um, and it went on the wrong path. But I think there's You know, we have such a pressure to be a niche, be a brand, have that passion. And, you know, I I think that is, I'm many things. And, you know, that's why I say, and that's not wrong. I'm the culmination of all these things I love. And it's not because I'm scattered. Right. Um, You know, I'm doing everything with, you know, specific, you know, a core, you know, the core product of it, or sort of the core mission, but it's a couple of different things. And so
0: what? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's you know. First of all, um, I will say to all of you aspiring starving artists, it's really not that great a gig. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've done there, I've done that, and it is tough. It's not just tough on yourself; it's tough, tough on the people that you are responsible for, to, and uh, the people that 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 love and care for you as well as the people that you love and care for. So enter that uh, enter that realm carefully. Um, and and. You know, it's actually really liberating to have uh, to have a steady gig that's providing for your needs because it allows then then there's you don't fall into all the traps that urgency puts in front of you Mm -hmm. because you can make some start to make some really bad decisions urgent out of expediency that are violations of your core values that are not in alignment with your core talents that are not even. Um, really about the people you know that your work is right. for. So right. um, you know there there is definitely a virtue to keeping your side thing a side thing until it becomes self sustaining right. or work. I,
1: I always say what a luxury it is to be able to say no thank you to a right. certain business that doesn't fit in with what you're doing or recommend someone away to someone better. I think that that makes for a much better both lifestyle business yeah. and and also peace of mind like it's i always say you put some things away to make room for the things that you're supposed to be doing it's it's hard to have to say as you know yes to every job you probably had so many jobs that you wanted to say no to but you felt like you couldn't
0: it's been the the in the last year I've kind of gone into a semi retirement with my performing career and so to do that I doubled my rates and I started to say no much more often and what I found was all the places that I liked to play that I was a good fit for actually were glad to pay
1: mm-hmm. twice as much not surprised
0: just to have have me and it it took that for me to realize like oh. You know, actually, if you can say no, you actually are proving to the world that you are more valuable than (laughs)
1: than, I know what a concept, right? Yeah,
0: Exactly. Well, and so you touched on one, one other thing um, just a minute ago, uh, which I would wrap into the idea of attachment. This idea that we invest in some sort of preconceived um, perfect outcome or ideal and we're you know, we're kind of invested in that is what success looks like. And mm-hmm. if we're if we're attached to that, you know, in the music business, lots of folks are chasing fame and fortune. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. even the ones that get it to a person, at least in terms of the people that I've met, they're still not very happy people because right. those ends are not worthy reasons to be pursuing any kind of craft or any kind of work that right. matters. Um, And if you just pay attention uh, to the motivation, the intention, the aspiration, and staying true to yourself and true to your talents and true to the audience that you seek to serve, well, then those things might very well come. But whether it's profit or not, you will still get a sense of prosperity because you Mm -hmm. will be doing the work as it is meant to be done, for whom it is meant to be done, and it probably leads to a greater sense of appreciation, if anything else, <laughs> in terms of. And you
1: know, I, I totally agree with you, and it sounds so aspirational, but but I when you break it down, you're exactly right. When I did a TED talk uh, a few years back about deep connection, and it, it was nerve wracking, and it made me really nervous. But then I said, so what's my point? Not to have you know a quadrillion views, I I had to break it down because I'm guilty of that too. What do you want? You want, you know, you want bigger, better. I said if I can just, if I can let one person know that, you know, that I, this happened to me too, this, you know, I had a bad scenario and I turned out okay. You know, I had some lack of confidence and, and it turned out all right. And I got through it. If I can give that to just one person, then that would make me feel like it was a success. And yeah. and that really took away so much pressure and so much expectation that it had to be this, it had to be that. Because in my mind, when I stood on that stage, I was, I was thinking about this person. And, yeah. uh, you know, so, and it, it, it turned out, I, I did have a woman come up to me afterwards and, and say exactly that. And I thought, this is, that's success. I, you know, no matter what happens, that's
0: success. If I've helped her, well, we're exactly so this attachment to more is better is mm. such a dangerous rabbit hole to start going down, and it because it takes us away from the here and now, which is like you were just saying in that moment. You needed to be there in the room giving a talk that's and, right. and connecting with people, right. you know generously serving their needs and their interests and you can't do that if you're worried about how it's playing with the right broadcast on twitter or, you know whatever. right
1: or clicks or views although you know i will say that that's not to say and i know you agree with this that you shouldn't have a goal or aspiration that feels uncomfortable um oh, yeah. whatever that whatever it may be for me it's you know it's this particular book and maybe it's just getting it out that's the uncomfortable part whatever happens after that but i think that that it, let it drive you to take action steps toward that goal and maybe you don't even hit that goal but if you put yourself out there and you get uncomfortable and you embrace resilience because we will fail at some of our jags then you know then you've just grown as both a person and a leader
0: yeah i agree i think that goals goals are actually the beginning and then, and then we build strategy around mm-hmm. our goals. And then when we have a, a cl- clarity around those two things, the tactics just become tests. We can try all sorts of things that are organized and aligned with our strategy and goal. But we can easily give up the ones that don't work and, and be willing to um, embrace new ideas and test new things because mm-hmm. the goal is what we're actually, that's, that's, that's the end. And the means, you know, as long as they align with that, um, there are many means that will get us to our ends, we just need to make sure that they're all kind of in sync. Um, right. And if we yeah. do that, then I think the path to, you know, a sense of flourishing, regardless of the situation, or the circumstances that we might be um, embroiled in is flourishing is, is much more possible. Well, this has been probably about the fastest half hour <laughs> I can remember on record. Um, before I ask you to uh, remind people where to connect with you, I just, you mentioned that you also have a work, that you're working on a nonfiction work, but you've have, you have a, 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 a work of fiction already out. Um, so I would love for you to mention what that is and where people can find it, but um, just it, because we do have a lot of people that are writers or aspiring Mm -hmm. um, writers uh, out there. Any, any difference for you um, in the way that you approach those two big genres, fiction and nonfiction? You
1: know, it's interesting. I like to say the talk I'm developing to go with the fiction book is how to write a novel in 15 years or less. Try not to do what I did. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So that's the one, but I think that that was just, it just felt scary. And now that I've done it, I've, I've been publishing nonfiction for quite a while now. And this is what I speak about. This is what I do. This is my, you know, the coaching, the work that I'm doing. And so I'm not going to say it's easier, but what the heck if nobody reads it. And I, I'm writing it for me, a book that I would want to read. And that's the same way I did with my, my novel. I said, you know what? I just have to get it out there. I want to write a book that I might, you know, that I would want to read. And it's called, it's called Sin and the Big Easy. It's fiction, takes place in New Orleans. It's a legal thriller. Uh, and probably I would say the best compliment I got, and you'll appreciate this, is that they love the main character because they said she's not, she's supremely flawed and kind of bumbles her way into solving the crime. But there's something so real about her. So I feel like I've made a very real, character that's not perfect or superhero or special powers so it's very relatable and and that's very much who I am I just you know if I can do it you can do it that's that's the way I feel about everything it's just you know I said 15 years, you guys can do it.
0: Yeah, that's funny because I, I, my my primary gig is is as a guitar teacher and I have owned and operate my own studio. And whenever I do something and I see a student's eyes kind of go wide, I go, you know, it's actually really easy. Do you know how we know it's easy? And they go, no, how? And I said, Scott Perry can do it. <laughs> it. Can't be rocket science.
1: See, I knew um, we get along, Scott.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been really, really fantastic speaking with you, Elizabeth. Um, just before we we sign off, please give everybody again uh, a way that they can connect with you outside of, of this broadcast.
1: Absolutely. Um, on my website is wwwmcourtleadership.com It's actually going through, it'll be overhauled in I think another month, but I, there's also a resilience quiz on there for fun. So if you sign up, but you go on there, you can take the quiz, simple, fun. And then e- my email is Elizabeth elizabeth.mccourtleadership. If you Google TEDx and Elizabeth McCourt, it's my TEDx is uh, why you should spill your secrets. And then if you are into Twitter, it's EC McCourt. I I tweet about leadership, failure, success, rule breaking, and the nonlinear path to leadership.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with Elizabeth at one last time, your your primary website, Elizabeth.
1: It's McCourtleadership.com.
0: There you go. Of course, it's always great to hear from you at becreativeonpurpose.com as well. Now remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So now take what you've learned here today, go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters. Elizabeth McCourt, thank you so much for your generosity in being here and for all the great work that you do.
1: Thank you, Scott.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're still with us, we really appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with our guests wherever they live online. And it's always good to hear from you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus, learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters.